Thanks for listening to the Harvest Podcast. In this message, as we start our new series, Bold, Pastor George helps us to understand from a biblical perspective what being bold looks like, as well as how we can grow towards being bolder every day. We pray that this message challenges you to grow in your boldness. I want to share on boldness. There's something about looking at the early church that where there was a boldness that marked their lives that I'm trusting in my desire is even as we're looking at deeper, closer, wider, but there will be something of a boldness that is evident in our lives because of the one that we are in relationship with, that we're willing to live in a way that others can recognize that we've been with Jesus. And so we're going to be jumping into Acts 4, and we're going to be taking a look at that. And you might wonder why I'm wearing this shirt. I got told I'm only allowed to wear it to the beach or on family vacations when I'm far from anyone I might know. Because I was told the shirt is too bold. So I'm preaching on bold, so it's the only time I get to wear it. So I'm very excited. It's a shirt that sits in my cupboard. But before we kick off, I want to start off with a a lady, an older lady, who I'd heard of, obviously from the U.S. You'll pick it up in the phrases that come. But she was known for her boldness. And this lady of faith would every morning stand on her porch, and she would walk out, and she would declare, Praise the Lord, for He is good. And eventually, one of her neighbors started to get irritated. He was an atheist, and he didn't enjoy this. And so he would wake up, and he would hear her shouting, Praise the Lord for his good. And he would respond back, There ain't no Lord. You can hear it sounds American, huh? There ain't no Lord. Anyway, hard times set in, and this elderly lady, she prayed to God, and she said, Lord, I need some help. I need some assistance. And she stood on her porch, and she shouted, Praise the Lord. God, I need food. I'm having a hard time. Please, Lord, send me some groceries. The next morning she woke up, and there on her porch, there was this big hamper with groceries. She got so excited that she walked out. I mean, she was standing on the porch, and she just declared, Praise the Lord. And the neighbor jumped up from hiding behind a bush, and he said, Aha, I told you there was no Lord. I bought those groceries. God didn't. The lady started jumping up and down, clapping her hands, and said, Praise the Lord. He not only sent me the groceries, but he made the devil pay for them. There was a boldness. How many of you remember that song we used to sing? Be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. Do you remember that? Might uh, cause you to recognize the age. I remember it. I was a youngster. Turn to the person next to you. You don't have to stand and say, be bold. Joshua 1 verse 9 says, Be bold and strong. Banish fear and doubt. For remember, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We're going to be looking at the book of Acts. There's a couple things that come out that I want us to look as we see the New Testament church, the gathering of God's people coming together, what God imparted to them, how they went out, and how they lived. Because we're wanting to go deeper, draw closer, and go wider. And the way we do that is we look at the early church who are pressing deeply in the things of God, who are coming together regularly, and were having amazing impact, wide impact, wherever they went. And as we look at the book of Acts, it's written by Luke, who was a medical doctor, and we know that he was writing to, to just bring record and bring to account what was happening in the early church, those people who were believing in Jesus. And one of the dominant themes that we see rolled out without question in the book of Acts is this theme of boldness. How many of you would like more boldness in your life? I'd like more boldness in my life. Donald Trump might not put up his hand. He seems pretty bold. But for the rest of us, it seems like a good thing. And when we look at the book of Acts, we see 
miracle after miracle after miracle. We see lives transformed and changed and turned around. We see salvations taking place in the thousands in a moment. And sometimes we wonder, Lord, how come this happens in the book of Acts? And how come we don't see it so much today? And I believe that part of the answer to that question is maybe because we're not operating in the same bold faith as the early church. Maybe we're not um, living with the same boldness that they were living, praying with the same boldness that they were praying, expecting the same great things of God that they were expecting. Maybe we aren't seeing those spiritual results because maybe we aren't stepping forward in those areas. And I'm not trying to condemn and I'm not trying to blame. I'm just trying to say, what is it that the early church were moving in and who are we called to be in 2016? That is an accurate reflection of God's purposes with his called out people who gather together so that we can be sent forth, which is us as a church. And so let me just bring a quick definition. What is boldness? Boldness is a behavior born out of a belief. What is boldness? Can you say this with me? Boldness is a behavior born out of a belief. What you believe determines how you behave. What are you believing? How are you behaving? I'll give you a quick story of how this happened in, in just the last few weeks with me. I'd gone to see this campsite that we're going to be going away for with the men. And Jason and Togo, Darren and myself had gone to, to see it, to see the venue, to spend a night, to, to try the kayaking and the fishing, and I caught nothing. It was very strenuous and trying, but it was a great time away. But anyway, on the first night, we're there. And we're in a self-catering unit that's there. And uh, I was pretty bold because I decided to share a room with Darren. Jason got off easy and he had him toggle. Darren's not in here, so he's not complaining. And uh, anyway, we're getting ready to go to bed. And I hear I'm with Darren in one room and Jason and Togo in another room. And I hear this this masculine voice of Mtogo shouting out, spider. And it's, it's masculine sounding. And so I think, oh, it's probably a moth, you know. It probably hasn't been to the middle. And not really too much spiders up this way. And then I hear this harsh, pitch shriek, ladylike voice from his room. But I know it can't be true because there's only Mtogo and Jason. There was no lady in the room. But I found out it was Jason who had got sight of the spider. And the door opens, and I go to see what's happening, like any good pastor would. And as I walk, I see Jason clinging on Mtogo's back as Mtogo <laughs> is trying to shoo the spider. And the spider, sorry, no, you're going to have to kill the spiders. In the, the spider comes running through from their room to my room. And I was expecting like a, a gecko moth. This is what I saw running at me. <laughs> I felt bewildered. This is what it really looks like. It's called a red Roman. And this thing comes running at me, and I jump out the way, and I shriek, probably in between Togo and Jason's voice. Jason locks himself in the room. He's out of the picture for the rest of it. But me and Togo see this run into my room, and then I think there's no way I'm staying in the room with that thing. So Darren's sleeping. But he's seen it running, and he sees it. And I say, Darren, where did that thing go? And he told me, it's under your bed. It's fine. It's not poisonous. I didn't think it was fine. I didn't care if it was poisonous or not. I didn't believe him. What you believe determines how you behave. Jason thought it was highly venomous. That's how he was behaving. I was also behaving badly. Anyway, Darren told me, I'm not going to kill it. It's a creature of God. I eventually won him over in theological debate to realizing that 
For everything there is a season. A time to live and a time to die. And this was, this thing's time to die. And I eventually got him to, Darren got out of bed. And because he knew it wasn't poisonous or venomous, he believed and knew what it was as a, Ro- a red Roman with his Pegaso as a field guide. He could behave in accordance with that. He wasn't afraid and he could kill it, unlike the rest of us. What you believe determines how you behave. I behave terribly because of what I believe. Later, though, I found out that they say that these things are aggressive. They're incredibly quick. They will bite you and give you a painful bite. And while you sleep, they like to cut bits of your hair off so that they can build a nest. I don't have enough hair to share with it to build a nest. What you believe determines how you behave. Let's back on point. If you believe that everyone is going to criticize you, you're going to act tentatively. If you are believing that you are going to fail, then you're going to go out very cautiously in how you go forward. But if you are believing that the one true and the living God is for you, that he's with you, that he's calling you, that he's empowering you, that he's leading you, that he's equipping you, that he's fighting on your behalf, and that he's saying that I'm going to carry you and I'm going to bring you through this thing, then you are going to live boldly. Why? Because of what you believe, it's going to change how you behave. When you really start to believe that you are the righteousness of God, as it tells us in his word, then what does it say you'll behave like? The righteous are as bold as a lion. That's what the word says. There will be a boldness that marks your life and mine. How are you behaving? What are you believing? That's the questions we need to be asking ourselves. And if we look, the Greek word boldness is the word parousia. And it means more than just speaking forth. That There's an outspokenness. There's an assurance. There's a courageousness. There's a confidence. There's a, an ability to act without fear when there is this boldness that we have in our lives. As believers, and we're going to look at a little bit more about what that means. But as we look and we start to see ourselves as a community here, as we're looking at going deeper, growing closer, reaching wider, I want to trust that there'll be something that starts to categorize us as a people that we are not only known as being good people and caring people and comforting people and, and there when you need counsel, but I hope that people start to see that there is a boldness about us as a community in this new year in 2016 to stand up for, to move forward on, to speak forth for, to have a courage to be able to act without fear on behalf of what God is saying to us. Who of you wants that boldness for us as a community here at Harvest? Amen. Amen. Me too. So that's what I'm trusting and that's my prayer as we start to, to get into this today. And it's the same series we've run in the evening. But I've just felt that there's been some key things that need to come to us here in the morning as well. And that's why I'm sharing on Bold here this morning. And so we'll be looking at various things as we go ahead in the weeks. But I want to look at Peter. Peter is someone that's easy to relate to. Peter was a a man where you can see his failures as well. There are various stories that we can see over and over where we see this, his humanity, even though we respect him as just an amazing man of God and an apostle who has impacted us as the church greatly. So we see Peter, and Peter is a guy that is often categorized as someone who had bold intentions but timid actions. He had bold intentions but timid actions. And what I mean by that is you would often see, as I've seen, he he would go out and there would be this bold bravado and then we'd see him falling short. 
And uh, one of the, the stories that I like to look at that we all know so well is Peter, and he's saying to Jesus, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, if all these other guys get afraid and they leave you, Jesus, I'm going to stick with you. If everyone else denies you, Lord, I'll never deny you. If everyone else runs away, Jesus, I've got your back. And what happens when the crunch comes? Do you know the story? And with Peter, you see that he denies Jesus before that day even uh, completes. He denies Jesus three times. The third time, the same day that he said this, the, the third time that he denies Jesus, it's a servant girl who just asks him a simple question, and he just starts backpedaling and denying that he's ever known Jesus. He had bold intentions, but timid actions. And sometimes that can be how we are. And so we see this is what Peter does. But then what happens? Jesus, we know, three days later, he ascends and he comes and he interacts with the disciples and he gathers Peter to himself again. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Three times he asks Peter and Peter confirms it and affirms it. And then Jesus says, look after my sheep. Look after my people. And he's basically saying, Peter, you're on the team. Get up, get going, get bold. We're taking this thing forward. We're going to impact the nations. And so we see that Peter steps up back into God's calling. And there's like a, a switch that is flipped inside of Peter. And all of a sudden, this guy who was afraid to address even a young servant girl just days before Pentecost comes, and suddenly this is the man that is standing before the crowds and he is declaring one of the boldest messages that's recorded in Scripture or in history. And he's saying to this group of people gathered, this huge group of people, and he's saying, you are a corrupt generation. There's nothing politically correct about him now. You are a corrupt generation. You need to turn from your sins. You need to repent in the name of Jesus Christ and be baptized. And what happens? Suddenly, this man who is fearful and running away, there's a boldness about him where he's able to declare this and 3,000 people are saved, their lives turned around and changed in one moment and they're added to the church. There's something amazing when we can be the, the conduits for God's boldness to come upon us, be at work within us, be spoken out from us because we're not afraid, but we're more in fear and holy awe and reverence of who he is. And in that environment, he starts to do amazing things. Lives are touched, lives are changed, there's impact taking place. And that's what we see happening here. And that's what we see taking place. The New Testament church is exploding and Peter is bold and he's on fire and he's expecting great things of God and they're seeing amazing results. And so we see this happening and just a little bit later, we see that Peter and John, 3,000 have been added and Peter and John are heading off to prayer. And it's 3 p.m. and they're going off to the time of prayer and they're going to the temple. And on the way to the temple, they meet someone who always would sit outside the temple. He was a man who had been lame for 40 years from his mother's womb, couldn't walk. And on the way, this man calls out for alms. I'm not going to tell my joke. It's not funny. <laughs> called out for alms, but he got legs. You'll see it in a moment. He calls out for alms. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And there's such a boldness. He says before that, he says, look at me. And then he says this to him, and he doesn't only say it to him, but he stretches out his hand, takes hold of him. He lifts him up, and it says, as he's lifted up, the bones start to come into place. Strength returns to him. And this man jumps, and he leaps, and he starts to praise God, and he heads into the temple. No more sitting on the outskirts. 
And we see in the midst of that, we see he's not only healed physically, but spiritually. Because he's praising God. Suddenly he's not just begging for money, but he's healed physically, praising God spiritually. And he goes into the temple, but this causes a commotion. There's controversy happening. The news is running amok. So much so, this man that they've all known walking into the temple who's been lame for 40 years, suddenly he's been healed and the religious leaders are upset. They call in the temple guards and the Sanhedrin comes together and they're going to officiate over this moment that something has taken place. And so they call in Peter and John and the Sanhedrin gather around them. And when you read this, and uh, I'm not going to go through it all now, but you'll see that Annas was there, that Caiaphas, the high priest, was there and all the other ones. When last did we see them gathered? We saw them last gathered when they were putting Jesus on trial. Same thing happening. In that moment when Caiaphas said to Jesus, basically questioning, are you the son of God? And Jesus responds, I am. And when you see me again, the son of man, the son of God will be seated on the right-hand side of the father with all authority and power. And that was the moment Peter was out denying him. The last instant. Now, Now it's happening again, but now they've got Peter. He wasn't even anywhere near last time he was afraid. But now they've gathered around him. And as they gather around him, they say that they were trying to, what they would do in their robes, they would gather around and they would try and intimidate them, try and harass them. They'd harangue them. They would hurl questions at them. They would really want to unsettle them and put the fear, not of God, but the fear of the temple into them, I guess. And they knew that being there, they could result in beatings, whippings. They could be imprisoned. They could be killed. And so they say to Peter and John, they ask, as they're trying to threaten them, intimidate them, can you imagine? Peter denying Jesus last time in this moment, and they ask a similar question to what they asked Jesus, Caiaphas, the high priest, by what name and what authority do you do these things? The last time Jesus said who he was, Caiaphas tore his robe, shouted blasphemy. Peter was terrified. Now Peter stands before And there's a boldness upon his life. And he responds, Acts 4 verse 8. And then it says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't in his power. It was in God's power. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Acts 4 verse 8, if you haven't got there. For a crippled man, do you want to know how he was healed? Now watch this boldness. He says, let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel, he's not saying there's no ambiguousness, there's no confusion, he's not cloudy, he's not trying to hide away. He says, let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by what? Can you say this with me? He was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Then he goes on, it's like he's putting the knife in and turning it around. The man you crucified by whom God raised from the dead. Saying this to Caiaphas, calling Jesus a blasphemer and tearing his robe because Jesus said that he would ascend and there would be a resurrection and that he was the son of God seated on the right hand. And now this man is saying exactly the same thing and there's a powerful miracle. Basically, it was like Peter was just lining himself up to be taken out. But what happens? It's like this declaration of war that goes out in the midst of this council and the Sanhedrin and the religious leaders are stunned. They are amazed. They cannot believe what they're seeing and hearing. And it amazes me because you look 2,000 years ago and the name of Jesus had that impact. 
And 2,000 years later, the name of Jesus is still causing controversy. You can go onto Oprah and you can talk about spirituality and karma and God and a power and a force and an energy and you can talk about all those things. You can go out and you can mention the name Buddha or Muhammad or Islam. You can talk about Allah. You can talk about any of these things. But if you mention the name of Jesus, it cuts through the atmosphere like a knife. And you can either find yourself getting stirred up and upset or you can find yourself in reverence and in awe. And in love for who he is. But you're going to fall either side. Because the name of Jesus changes things. There's something about the name of Jesus. And he says, Jesus, whom you've killed, resurrected, has done this miracle. And there's, there's an astonishment that comes. Verse 13, let's read. The members of the council, what were they? The members of the council, they were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scripture. But they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And I just want to look at three things from that verse and allow them to speak to us. Three bold facts that I trust will go deep in our hearts just before I close. And the first one is this. God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. The Greek word there, if you look at it literally, it's the word idiotus for unlearned and ordinary people. Idiotus. The Bible says call no man idiot, and so I'm not going to. That's the Greek translation. But it's basically saying they weren't trained, they weren't skilled, they weren't educated, and yet there was something about them. Something about these men. And what we see here is God, he will take the ordinary people and use them in extraordinary ways. You might wonder, how can I do that? I'm just a housewife, or I'm just a student, or I'm in the marketplace. I want to say, if you give God opportunity, He will give you opportunity that He might show Himself strong on your behalf, and that you might move in a boldness that will let people know that you've been with Jesus. I'm not going to go much further on that, but just to say, He uses ordinary people in extraordinary ways. The second thought is this. Your boldness will amaze the world. Verse 13 says this. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. There was an amazement that comes. When you become spiritually bold for the glory of God, your boldness will amaze the world. There's something that's recognizable. And it's not because you're so bold. And it's not so much because of who you are. But they just wreck their amaze because there's something about you that causes them to look deeper. And we're going to see what that is. In just a moment. But it says here they were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Why were they amazed? They were amazed because they knew they could kill these men. These men knew that they could kill them, but these men didn't care. They were going to speak it like it is. And they were amazed because even though they might not believe the same, they knew that these men knew what they believed. Can I ask you a question? It's a personal one, and I ask myself at the same time. When was the last time someone was amazed by your boldness for the Lord? And I'm not talking about crazy boldness. I had a friend who went out and uh, is a wonderful man and loves the Lord. And he, he wore a loincloth and he had a big, I don't know if he had a shield as well. He was dressed like an impy warrior. And he got a, a placard that said, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And he stood in one of the Durban intersections. I don't know if he had much fruit or success. He was bold. I don't know if it was the boldness of what the Lord was, how the Lord was leading him. 
But when was the last time you or I were bold? I can remember moments, but they're too far away for me to be happy about them. And then point three, we need to know this, that spiritual boldness comes from knowing Christ. Spiritual boldness comes from knowing Christ. It says they recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Peter, in the midst of this moment, facing possible death, was able to declare who Jesus was. Why? Because there was a boldness upon him because he had been with Jesus. When we're talking about boldness, we need to get this quite clearly. Boldness is not the goal. Knowing Jesus is the goal. Boldness is just the byproduct of knowing Jesus. Boldness is not the goal. Knowing Jesus is the goal. Boldness is just the byproduct of knowing Jesus. That's the question that comes that we need to ask ourselves. Am I pressing into? Am I going deeper into who he is in Christ's likeness? And I want to say there's something that's come around today and we hear a lot, so much based on our identity in Christ. And I love Bob's word on Thursday night. If you didn't hear it, I want to recommend you get it. But he was speaking about so many times we we find ourselves in identity crisis rather than having a Christ identity. But I start to hear people these days speaking about so much about who they have become in Christ that they no longer need to mention Jesus because they've become everything that Jesus was. And I want to say it saddens me and it grieves me because these men who were following Jesus, who were being bold for Jesus, the people weren't amazed at them and themselves. They were amazed because they recognized that they were men who had been with Jesus. Their lives pointed to Jesus. The goal is not that you or I become bold. The goal is that we draw near to Jesus and we become bold as a byproduct. But he's the one who is the focus and he's the one who is glorified. And when we live daily in God's word, when we pray and we say, Lord, will you direct me? Will you minister to me and give me opportunity to minister to other people? Will you come by your spirit and will you show me how to respond and what to say? Lord, will you stir something up within me and give me a boldness? Lord, will you do this even as I'm spending time with you, Lord Jesus? I want to say that you are going to find opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to speak and to release life boldly because you believe it and because you will behave in that way because you've been with Jesus. That's the challenge that comes. I just want to put a little diagram up that can help us see this in a practical way. When we start spending time with Jesus, we'll start to find faith growing in our hearts because we know he's faithful which will result in a fresh boldness in our lives. And out of that boldness, we'll start to see spiritual results. And when you start to see God move in and through your life and start to see those results that are taking place because you spent time with Him, naturally you want to spend more time with Him. That's a great circle to get caught up with and to get caught up in. The problem is the same is true in a negative sense. When you stop spending time with Him, you don't see so much spiritual results in and through your life. And then you start to find that Boldness starts to ebb and faith starts to dissipate and you want to spend less time with them. I want to encourage us. I want to speak boldness into us, courage to our spirits as we go forward in this year. And I want to say we want to go deeper in relationship with God and the things of God. We want to grow closer in relationship with each other so that we can reach wide and bring others into the wonder of knowing who Jesus is. And the only way that that's going to take place if there's a fresh boldness in your life and mind to push through in these things in 2016. Can you turn to someone next to you and say, be bold? I want to pray for us at that point. 
Lord, I want to thank you that we can gather as your called out ones who gather together here in this building, that we can be your people, Harvest Church. And Lord, I thank you for what you've called us to. And I thank you, Lord, even as we look at this, I pray that we will go to new depths in you, Lord. I pray that there will be new community and relationship, just fresh connectedness that springs forth together in you and in brotherly and sisterly love. And I pray, Lord, that out of that deep joy of knowing you and experiencing you personally, we would want to share that joy with others so that they would know know you as well, Lord. And I pray that there would be an outspokenness about us. I pray that there would be a confidence and an assurance. I pray that we would be courageous. I pray that we would be able to act without fear, Lord, because we are bold, not because of who we are, but because we have spent time with you. And so we say, Lord, we lift you up in this place so that you might draw all men to yourself. And we say, Lord, give us opportunities to be your voice piece, to declare your truth, your life, your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your kindness, your love, wherever we go, that we can be people of impact. Lord, would you mobilize us afresh as you mobilize the church as we've just read in the book of Acts, that you would show yourself strong on our behalf because we have turned our hearts towards you, we pray. We pray that in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Harvest Podcast. We pray that you were ministered to and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus. If you have a story about how you were challenged, we'd love to hear it as your stories encourage our staff and volunteers to keep sharing the love of Jesus through this ministry. You can share your story with us by sending us an email to media at harvestchurch.co.za. You can also connect with us through both Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to having you with us again soon.